Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's this moment, don't care what comes after. You'll feel a dream, can't you see? Getting closer. Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's Church, great to see you guys. Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Tim. I want to welcome you to part four of our series at the movies, especially if you're new. In fact, today we got to give a special welcome to our Middlesex County campus. Let me tell you why. They just relocated their home from Edison to their new home at, wait for it, Sayerville High School, the home of John Bon Jovi. Can we hear for a second? Come on, guys. Welcome to your new home. We're so excited for you guys, Pastor Chris and Middlesex, as they kind of, they're getting ready for their grand kind of reopening on uh, September 9th. Thank you guys for taking the gospel even farther down towards South Jersey. Um, well, I hope you've enjoyed our movie series so far. If you're new, I'll tell you kind of what we're doing. We're watching uh, movie clips from some of our current Hollywood hits and saying, hey, what's coming to the spiritual truth uh, underneath? Uh, so far, we've looked at The Greatest Showman, uh, Darkest Hour, Incredibles 2, and today we're looking at a movie called I Can Only Imagine. Now, quick show of hands, how many of you have heard the song? You know the song? Okay. Wow, everybody. All right. How many of you have seen the movie? Okay. Uh, wow, that's a pretty good, pretty good number there. Okay. Uh, this is actually um, the true story of a guy named Bart Millard. He is the lead singer of a band, Mercy Me. He wrote the song, I Can Only Imagine, which was this huge crossover hit a few years ago. Um, I remember uh, hearing it all the time, not just on Christian radio, but then they're like, you know, singing on like Z100 on secular stations. And incredibly, it's now the best-selling Christian song of all time. Uh, the record went triple platinum, which is amazing. And it's kind of incredible to think about. Uh, considering the background that Bart Millard came from. See, although he's now recognized as probably one of the, you know, great, uh, our generation's great, like, Christian singer-songwriters, he grew up in a small Texas town with an abusive dad. Um, his father would regularly uh, beat his mother and would often turn his rage on young Bart. And the movie is a pretty powerful picture of the pain of a broken childhood and redemption as an adult of how God's you know, radical mercy and forgiveness can really make something beautiful out of even the darkest situations in life. So let's sit back, relax, watch the trailer, and then we're gonna open up the scripture connected to the screen. Here is, I can only imagine. It's an amazing song. Just kinda happened. Took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. Took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. No! And she don't want you neither. And I've always loved music. 
and I found some songs that I just, I held on to. They gave me hope. Mercy me, that can't be his real voice. Because I needed it. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. And you're going to blink your eyes, and you're going to realize that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. I can only I'm leaving. Shit. I want you to know that I pray for you all the time. And I hope that you find whatever it is that you're looking for out there. What are you running from? My dad. Then write about it. Let that pain become your inspiration. I have some stuff I need to sort out. And I deal with it the only way I know how. And that's to write a song. You hungry? I set the table. What is this? I want to make things right. You and me. My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him. You have a gift, real gift. I didn't think that God could do that. And so I wrote this song for my dad. So our family watched the movie last week together and, you know, as I was watching and thinking about what to preach on, because there were so many themes that came out in it. I mean, obviously the first thing is kind of just the role of fathers, right? The need of any, you know, son or daughter just to kind of drink in and receive the unconditional love and acceptance of their father. And then, of course, the failure of so many parents, right? Both moms and dads, uh, for better or worse, you know, in the case of Bart Millard, his father, Arthur, uh, who was played there by Dennis Quaid, uh, was not only unloving, but he was also an angry, abusive man. And yet there was extraordinary forgiveness. Uh, although Bart wrestled for much of his life with forgiving his father, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, he was able to actually draw on the supernatural strength of God to forgive his father before he died. And with that came redemption. A second chance, a relationship that was broken, was repaired, mended, began healing, not perfectly. But our great hope as Christians, of course, is that no matter how broken your family or your home or your life or your situation is, with Christ, there's always a second chance. Amen? We serve a God who specializes in redemption. He takes the, the broken parts of life and he actually makes something beautiful out of it. But those themes, you know, fathers and forgiveness and redemption led me to a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. This is actually a famous prayer that Jesus prayed uh, when he was betrayed and abused and abandoned by his family and friends. And just to give you the context for this, you know, uh, in this moment, Jesus is in a broken state, okay? It's not like we're used to thinking of Jesus. For 33 years, Jesus Christ lived a very powerful life as a free man, fully confident in the lavish love of his Father in heaven, he was strong, secure. He poured out his life to serve, uh, you know, care for the poor, heal the sick. He led a spiritual revolution. But in this moment, in Luke chapter 23, Jesus is broken. He has been unjustly accused by the Pharisees. He's been uh, arrested by the Romans. He's been whipped and beaten and tortured uh, by Roman soldiers. And then, facing an angry mob, he is sentenced to death by crucifixion, which was a form of Roman capital punishment. 
Luke 23 says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's interesting to me that even in his final moments of suffering, Jesus is like laser-focused on forgiving those who had hurt him. I mean, in his last breaths, he asked his father to forgive the thieves on the cross who were jeering him. He asked his father to forgive the Roman soldiers who spit on him, who yanked out his beard, who whipped him, who poured a crown of thorns on his head, who nailed him to the cross. And Jesus asked his father to forgive the mob who mocked him and cried out, crucify him. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been hurt in life or attacked or or verbally assaulted, maybe betrayed by someone you trusted, I think these are the three hardest words for a Christian to pray from the heart. Father, forgive them. Can we say that together? Let's say it. Ready? Father, forgive them. Jesus forgave his enemies. And he told his followers, you and me, I want you to follow my example. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to forgive as I have forgiven you. If only it were that easy, right? Many of us grew up in, uh, you know, homes where we didn't have a lot of examples or maybe models of that kind of generous mercy and lavish love. In the case of Bart Millard, he had a very tough upbringing. His earthly father, Arthur, as I told you, was a very angry man. His dreams of playing pro football kind of died in the small Texas town, and his dad kind of just buried his disappointment in the bottle. And when Bart would come home from school, he never knew what mood his father was going to be in. I want to show you a clip of Bart as a boy arriving home to face his father. What you got there? It's a fighter helmet that I made during a big battle in space. You should worked hard on that, didn't you? What's that? It's just, it's just drunk. You dream of art, that's good. Hey, you're imagining things. I'm going to teach you something, Bart. Dreams don't pay the bills. Nothing good comes from it. All it does is keep you from all this. From knowing what's real. You understand that? Huh? Yes, Daddy. Well, that's a piece of junk. Why don't you just go throw it away? 
Father. Father. Let's, let's take this first word and talk about what that stirs in your soul. Because Jesus called God Father. In fact, the word he used is Abba, which means Daddy. And it's the name given by God to himself. And in other words, at the deepest part of his heart, if you know nothing else about God, understand God is a father. Not just any father. A perfect father. And Jesus, his son, is in a perfect relationship of, of lavish love and trust and affection with his Abba or Daddy. If that's hard to grasp, it's no surprise. Unfortunately, all of us have, not everyone's experienced that growing up, right? We live in a broken world full of broken people who often pass their pain along. And as a boy, Bart was the son of an angry father. So understand that word father to Bart Millard meant smoldering rage, anger, violence in the home. His mother left the family and Bart was left alone to be raised by his dad. And some of you have a story to tell like that, right? I mean, in a crowd this size, uh, one in four people here has been abused in some way, and you have scars to show or stories to tell. Personally, I was blessed uh, to be raised by a father who was very affectionate, demonstrably loving. He would often tell me he loved me, uh, hug me. He would, you know, we'd spend time throwing baseballs and wrestling, helping me with my homework. And I, I thought that was normal. I just assumed, well, everybody grew up like, like that. And sadly, that's not true. In our society, many people um, have distant dads or moms who are maybe physically absent or just emotionally unavailable. And so they struggle. You understand why they struggle with the first word of Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them. Who is this God who invites us to call him Father or Daddy? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus 150 times told his followers, I want you to call God Abba, Daddy, Father, which was revolutionary. For Jews of that time, this was a brand new way of addressing God. In the Old Testament, they didn't even spell out the name of the God. They said G-D because God was out there, distant, all-powerful, and to be feared. But Jesus taught his followers to address God as our Father who is in heaven. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has, what's that word? Lavished on us, poured it out in excess that we should be called children of God. Lavish just means you're just like over the top. It's so extra. It's overflowing. Stop. It's too much. He lavishes his love. So central to the question is, who is God? Is the Bible's answer, well, God is your perfect father who lavishes his perfect love on you. Get this the creator of the universe. Like right now, if you pulled back the curtain of the cosmos to see what is at the center of the universe, you, you understand what's there? You, you won't find a chemical reaction. It's not the Big Bang. It's not a mathematical equation, but a dynamic, pulsating relationship of love between a father and his beloved son. You understand why some people struggle with that? Sometimes people project their earthly experiences of what a father should be or has been onto their heavenly father. So a boy who longs for a dad who's, who's rarely around can have trouble seeing God as always present and able to provide. A girl who feels that she has to succeed in sports, in school, in order to earn her parents' approval 
can often see God as a, in a transactional way. Well, I perform, and then God approves. For others who grew up like Bart, the word father can dredge up memories of abuse or neglect, and it's tragic. I think it's one of the ways the enemy warps our view of God. He says he's, he's just, he's distant and impersonal, and he's this remote ruler just waiting to punish you. And Jesus says, no, 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 not at all. This is a perfect, warm, and welcoming papa. But little Bart couldn't understand that. See, in his head, he went to Sunday school. He knew God was loving, but his heart had shut down growing up to protect himself from his father's rage and abuse. Instead of encouraging his dreams, his father kind of mocked and made fun of them. In fact, when he was in high school, um, Bart played football like his father, but he broke both his ankles. And his father said, you're weak. You will never amount to anything. But it was while Bart was healing, he was like on the injured list, that he joined the school chorus where he discovered he had a gift for singing. He had a, a beautiful, rich, strong singing voice. Actually landed the lead role in the school musical. And he ends up on the front page of the local paper. And like at that moment, you think, well, his father will finally, of course, celebrate his teenage son's newfound gift, you know, right? And be proud. But as you'll see in this clip, his father was far from perfect. You're up early? Made my son breakfast. What's with the get up? Going to a funeral? No. Just going to church, Dad. Mm, church. Sit down and eat. Come on, sit down and eat. Getting cold. Did you see this? Look at that. <laughs> Front page. You look like a Pinocchio cowboy. <laughs> it's a good joke. So that's what I am to you, a joke? I didn't say that. You just said it. Don't put words in my mouth. What if I want to sing? Why is that so funny? I mean, maybe I'm good at it. The pastor of the church asked me to sing this morning. It's got to mean something. He asked you to sing for a living? That's what I'm saying. You need to find something you're good at that you can actually earn a living at because you're going to have to support yourself one of these days. Why do you even know? You've never even heard me sing. Well, that's not my fault. All I hear out of you is whining and moaning. Okay. I'm singing this morning at church. 10 o'clock on Radio AM 1080. Why don't you come watch no, me sing? I can't do that. Why not? No, I just don't belong there. Why? I just don't. I don't. Don't belong there. Okay. My boy Bart's. Oh, he's nothing but a big disappointment. I wish you'd never been born. Everything been just fine. All my problems are because of Bart. Hey, hey you put words in my mouth. I'm gonna put a fist in your face. Yeah, I'm a little big for that, Dad. Oh, you think yet? I think Is those days think? over. Yeah. Is that what you? I think? do. Yeah. Listen, if you have to talk to me with respect, I'm the one that puts food on the table. I earn the living around here, and I'm the one who stayed. I don't see your mama anywhere. Yeah. Well, nobody blames her for leaving, Dad. I would have left too. Not hungry. Not hungry. All right, then. Kidding me? 
touch me. I'm done with you. You're crazy. Get away from me. If you didn't grow up in a chaotic home, it's hard to imagine. It's tragic, but it's true. Often the failings of our earthly parents taint our picture of our Heavenly Father. You know, I know a man in real life who grew up desperate as any boy for the love and affection of his dad, and he said, you know, Tim, my dad was a handyman, and I'd help him with projects as a kid. I'd, you know, hold the ladder or, you know, fetch him a hammer. But let me tell you something, if I handed my dad the wrong tool, I'd have an avalanche of curses drop down on my head like an anvil. His father even had a nickname for him, Stupid. He'd say, hey, Stupid, come here. Hey, Stupid, get in the car, you're late. You understand, those words are as shattering as a plate to the head. Psychologists even have a name for it. They call it the father wound. When the father neglects or berates or attacks his child, it's devastating. It's like a shotgun blast to the chest. As a pastor, when I talk to um, survivors of abuse, they often have their self-esteem shattered into pieces and, and, and as adults walk around with this kind of blanket of shame and condemnation, believing, I am stupid. I, I, I have nothing to offer. I'm worthless. It's spiritual abuse, really. I mean, a f understand, God designed a father's words to bless or the power to cripple his child. And God designed a father to build up his children, not tear them down. And I understand right now you may be like, man, this is, this is dark. No, no, no. This is a story of redemption, of second chances. And I want to encourage you today because, look, none of us here came from perfect homes. We all have hurts and challenging relationships with family members. I mean, even when I talk to survivors of abuse who still carry the hurts and the wounds and rejections, I say, take heart because one person understands your Father in heaven. In fact, Jesus Christ experienced it all, that spectrum of abuse and rejection on the cross. Go back to our text. When Jesus prayed those words, Father, I want you to forgive them. Who, who's them? Who is Jesus talking about? In Luke 23, as Jesus hung on that cross for our sins, the Bible says, here's who them is. The people stood watching and the religious rulers even sneered at Jesus. They said he saved others, let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah, the chosen one, who else? The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which said, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung next to Jesus hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, verbal abuse. Jesus knew it all. We live in an age of abuse. See it in the news all the time. Abuse of power, abuse of position and authority. And Jesus was familiar with all of it. Whipped, beaten, spat upon, pierced with nails, physically abused, verbally, mocked by soldiers and criminals. It's impossible for us to imagine the torment that Jesus endured in our place, but understand, Jesus alone understands abuse. Your heavenly Father understands, and it makes him weep. On the cross, we're told Jesus didn't just take our sin, he took our shame, and he transformed it with three words. Father, forgive them. Do you know he prayed those words to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah that says the Savior, he bore the sin of many, and he made what? 
intercession or prayer for the transgressors or the, or the sinners. He prayed for the sinners. From the cross, Jesus uses last breath to pray and plead with his Father in heaven to forgive his abusers on earth. And you can only imagine the supernatural strength and, and courage and trust in his Father's goodness that that took. I mean, at that moment, Jesus was living out the principle that he taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor. You've heard that one. Hate your enemy. You guys know that? But I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies and what? Say it together. Pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus, the persecuted one, prayed for his persecutors. Understand, Jesus, the abused one, prayed for his abusers. And he has said that those who follow me, Christ followers, I want you to do what I did. I want you to imitate me. I want each of you to follow my example and ask your Father in heaven to give you my power to forgive them. Now, let's just make this personal a minute. Because I think movies are a mirror of real life. I want you to think for a moment of somebody who's hurt you. Now, maybe it's a family member or a friend. Maybe it wasn't physical abuse, but verbal. Or when you needed them, they were just emotionally unavailable. They weren't there for you. Maybe it's an enemy at work or school who just seems to specialize in making your life hell. From your heart, could you pray those three words today? Father, forgive them. Because Jesus put it smack dab in the center of the Lord's prayer that he taught his followers to pray. You know the words. You know you've prayed them. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let me tell you something. If you're new to Christianity, forgiveness is the hardest muscle to exercise because it requires that you actually turn your eyes from injustice and pain on earth to the goodness and mercy and justice of your Father in heaven and saying, Father, you are so good and I trust you so much that even when things all around me are taking a turn for the worst, I trust you to judge and I believe you will work this out for my good and your glory. See, your heavenly Father's heart is good. In fact, it's filled with the only perfect love you will ever know on this side of eternity. How do you know that? Look at the cross. This is living proof of your Father's love. He said to his son, Jesus, I'd like you to die and sacrifice your life in their place so we can forgive them. When Jesus went to that cross, we were in the crowd. When he said, Father, forgive them, he was forgiving you. He said, Father, forgive Tim's trespasses, Diane's sins, and, and more than that. It says, when, when you actually receive forgiveness, when you trust Jesus Christ and say, be my Lord and Savior and forgive me, you not only gain access to the forgiveness of your Father in heaven, you gain access to the power of Jesus to forgive your enemies. And you may be here today and say, Tim, I, I, could, I could never do that. I could never forgive so-and-so, not after what they did to me. You know what? You're right. I'd say, I agree. You can't forgive them in your strength. You have to pray with Jesus, Father, forgive them. You need the help of heaven to heal that hurt. In the case of Bart Millard, forgiveness was a turning point in his life. He was in his 20s when Bart left home and started the band Mercy Me. You know where they got the name, by the way? His grandma always said, Mercy Me, Bart can sing. 
And that band, they began touring in a tiny bus all over Texas, playing in churches all over the South. But every night that Bart would get up to sing, he grew uncomfortable. Because he's like, I'm a hypocrite. Here I am singing these Christian songs about God's love and forgiveness. And he had bitterness in his heart towards his dad. He could not write songs of substance because he had shut his heart down and kind of locked it away. So his cover songs were like kind of full of cliches and lacked passion. But in the middle of the tour, Bart took a risk. He felt God prompting him and he actually left the band and went home, home to see his dad, who he discovered was dying of pancreatic cancer. But that's the moment that Bart's faith moved 16 inches. You know what 16 inches is? From his head to his heart. And he summoned the strength of his heavenly father to forgive his earthly one. Christian camp in a summer, Bart's counselor had him write these words in his journal, God, today I choose to forgive blank. He said, I want you to fill in that sentence. Can I ask, how would you finish that? Who do you need to forgive? Because understand forgiveness is at the core of the Christian faith, and it is a choice. Forgiveness, it, you choose it. it Understand something. Forgiveness is not based on your feelings. <laughs> In fact, you say, you know, I'm going to wait till, uh, to forgive until I feel like forgiving them. You will never forgive them. <laughs> it is always easier to stay mad, shut down your heart, even dream of revenge or, or what I'd like to say to their face someday. But God says, as your loving father, I want to teach you to pray like my son Jesus prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them. So how would you finish that sentence? God, today I choose to forgive. I want you to think about that moment. Because I've, as I've been talking and we've been watching these clips, I'm guessing God has brought a specific face to mind for some of you. Or maybe a name of somebody who hurt you or wronged you. Maybe somebody who promised to love you for life and they didn't. Or they betrayed your trust and, and you've carried it around in your heart for a long time. And today, I believe God is calling you in faith to pray those three words that Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them. I want you to take a moment right now in your heart and complete that sentence. God, today I choose to forgive blank. 
As you think about that, I want you to understand a few things about forgiveness because there's a lot of fuzzy thinking in Christian circles. I hear some crazy stuff. Forgive and forget. Just uh. Understand three things about forgiveness. Forgiveness is tough as nails. True Christian forgiveness is not conditional. In other words, it's not based on the other person's reaction, their request, or their response. See, true forgiveness isn't earned. It's not deserved. It's not even based on a promise that they'll never do it again. If you say to someone, you know what, I'm going to forgive you if you, that's not forgiveness. That's bargaining. (laughs) When Jesus stretched himself out on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Nobody asked for it. Nobody said, Jesus, forgive me for what they're doing to you. He just said, I'm going to offer this to you freely to receive or reject. I'm paying the debt. I'm canceling the cost of this sin, and it's your choice to take it or not. True forgiveness is is unconditional. And secondly, forgiveness does not minimize the offense. It's not dismissing it like it didn't hurt. When somebody offers you forgiveness, you actually cheapen it. If you say, oh, you know what, it's no big deal. Didn't really hurt me. Just kind of blow it off. Listen, if someone wounds you, don't downplay if they ask for forgiveness. Don't say it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Can I tell you something? Abuse neglect, betrayal, these are enormous wounds that make God weep. And true forgiveness doesn't minimize or downplay that. See, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Can I just talk to you as a pastor? You may remember what happened for the rest of your life. It just doesn't dominate your life anymore. The wounds heal, but the scars remain. Even when Jesus was resurrected, he had scars to show. See, you may forgive them, and there are still consequences for their sin. In the case of abuse, there may be jail or legal action. In fact, I would say you're wise to remember so that you can put healthy boundaries in place. So don't blow people off and say, oh, forgive and forget. It's forgive, and you move forward in faith. Forgiveness is like unchaining yourself from the past so that you can move forward into the future with freedom of heart. See, when you forgive... (laughs) One person said, it's like setting a prisoner free and realizing the prisoner was you. That's what Bart Miller discovered. He completed that sentence in his journal, I choose to forgive, and he wrote, my dad. And after forgiving him, they enjoyed a few brief months of reconciliation as father and son. And before his dad died, he actually asked Christ to come into his heart and to forgive him. And Bart says... That it changed my father's heart. It transformed my dad from a monster into a man for the very first time. I was listening, Bart. I was listening to you on the radio. Because he'd sing. I'd listen to every word, and then you'd finish, and then I'd listen to what they were talking about there at church. That's what saved me. I was real proud of you. It's real proud. I told you not to follow your dreams. Because that's only because mine they never came true. 
But you're not me. You're not like me. a gift, real gift, I want to take care of your part, I got something for you, bird. here, I won't go, I never made much money, but have my life insurance, and I, I tried to save everything, I could. And I want you to have that. So you can pay attention to your singing. And you'll get a check every month. So you can go chase your dream. And I want you to catch it. <laughs> Don't you ever look back. You promise? I promise. You sing a song, son. I'm sleepy. As Bart Millard forgave his father for the past, his heart was set free to move into the future. Although his dad died only a few days later, Bart. God began healing his heart at a deep place. And this is the backstory of the song I Can Only Imagine. See, up to that point, Bart and Mercy Me were only playing cover tunes. They just performed other people's worship songs. They wrote a few originals, but producers said, no, nah, it's missing something. It's missing heart. It's missing substance. It doesn't sound authentic. But after Bart forgave his father, it was like the Holy Spirit just set him free to write. And instead of staying chained to the past, Bart had a vision for the future of the day that he would see his father again, standing together before Jesus in heaven, whole and healed in the presence of Christ. And he wrote these words in his journal. He said, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I, I can only imagine what my, my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine Ultimately, he was speaking of meeting Jesus in heaven, and he wrote, Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will, will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will, will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. And that, my friends, is how the best-selling, most-played Christian song of all time came to be out of the deep, deep pain of a wounded little boy, abused by his earthly father, who found hope and forgiveness through his heavenly one. Bart Millard wrote, I can only imagine, and he dedicated it to his dad. Before it rocketed to the Billboard charts to number one, Bart actually sold the song to Amy Grant. She wanted to use it as a comeback song. By the night that she was gonna perform it, Bart was in the audience, and she got up and she just said, this is too personal. This song is your story, Bart, and you need to sing it. And she actually called him out of the crowd and said, you guys have never met him. This is Bart Millard. He's going to sing for you today. And so Bart Millard, for the first time, used his God-given gift to sing 
and dedicated the song to both his heavenly father and his earthly one. ask you something personal? Can we close by getting up in your business a little bit? Who is God telling you to forgive today? Who is the Holy Spirit nudging you? Even if they've hurt you, you're even realizing now that God has put you in a position to lavish his love and show mercy. Just as Jesus gave you the gift of forgiveness, he can give you the power to forgive them. Amen? Your forgiveness, understand, may be the key to change their heart and their eternal destiny and lead them to Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine one day meeting the person who caused you so much pain face to face in heaven and worshiping Jesus together? You know, you may say, Tim, that's impossible. Listen to me. With Christ, everything is possible. So to close, I want to I want us to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. In fact, let's just, let's just pray these words out loud, all of our campuses together. You know the words. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's the important part. I want to say these words together. Ready? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Father, I pray right now for every person here, 
under the sound of my voice. We are asking for your help to forgive those who've hurt us. Today, God, we are releasing them to your judgment and asking for your mercy. Right now, with your head bowed, I want you to think of that person that God's brought to mind. Bring their face to your mind. And if you're ready to forgive them, I want you to first pray, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, for my unforgiveness, my bitterness, my hardness of heart. Just confess your sins to Christ. And then you can pray, now give me the power. Father, today I choose to forgive. And just say their name in your heart. Say their name in your heart. Release them to God right now in this room. At every campus, just release them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would now come into our hearts and heal the hearts of your people. Make us whole. God, I ask you to bless people right now who are releasing bitterness and unforgiveness, Father. Flood them with your lavish love and show kindness to them the way that you have lavished mercy on me. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Everyone said, amen.